This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? This is episode 99, and I am interviewing Tracy Brown, somatic nutritional therapist, about how to trust your body. We talk about what that means, how long it takes, and how to become more attuned in order to feel safe in your skin and have a better relationship with food. You can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this show at summerinandin.com forward slash 99. That's 99. Before we begin, I want to give a big shout out to Plate Mom, who left this awesome review. This podcast puts into words explanations for and connections to thoughts and feelings I could never understand. The perspectives and stories are so real and fun and give validation to my own story. Thank you. Thank you so much for that amazing review. It makes me feel so good to read that. So I really appreciate it. If you want to be an awesome person, you can leave a review for this show by going to iTunes and clicking on ratings and reviews after searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, obviously, and click to leave a review or give it a rating. You can also just go to summerinandin.com forward slash review to find a direct link to that. Second, if you haven't already done so, head over to summerinandin.com forward slash freebies to get your free guide with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. It is called the 10 Day Body Confidence Makeover and it is yours for free. You can find everything that I talk about at thebodyimagecoach.com so you don't have to worry about spelling in and in. All right, today's guest is Tracy Brown. Tracy is a somatic nutrition therapist, registered licensed dietitian, and a tuned eating coach. She guides people to learn to listen and trust signals of hunger and fullness and become their own nutrition experts while creating body neutrality, becoming more embodied, and creating more self-care practices to enhance self-worth. She teaches somatic practices for healthy nervous systems, which helps people with stress management, and her desire is for people to honor their sensitivity and feel safe to come home in their bodies. Tracy has an awesome perspective on this stuff, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's get started. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Summer. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and just want to honor your generosity for having people like me on to talk more about what we do. Yeah, likewise. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, I have not had anyone on the show before talking about somatic therapy or uh, and I don't even know what that means. So I'm excited to learn <laughs> and to have you really explain. I mean, I think I know at a general level, especially now after I kind of did some Googling, but I'm excited to, to really have your perspective because it's going to be unique to what's been shared on the show before. Oh, cool. Thank you. But yeah, but, so yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was gonna say before we get into what that is, why don't you tell everyone how you got into this work and how you got to where you are today? All right. So probably like, I don't know what the percentages are, but a lot of people, um, I had my own, um, you know, eating and weight struggles 
starting in high school and throughout my early to mid 20s. So, I mean, really actually clinical disordered eating and then kind of morphed really into just chronic dieting and exercise compulsion. Um, It was just a switch for me from like really severe to like less severe, basically. And I look back on that and it's these stories are all, you know, for us, some of us have so many shared similar experiences of, you know, similar personality traits and trying to make sense of a very doesn't make sense kind of world when you're a very empathetic and sensitive person. So when you look back on my, I look back at my experience or other people's experience, like, well, yeah, of course, like this happened because this was a way of expression of that, even though no, none of us signed up for that or chose that, you know, to struggle with food or eating. And probably like a lot of people too, I learned really early that the right kind of body to have was a small one. I think when I was eight or nine, just, you know, had some comparisons made of my body with my sisters and I like, oh, so smaller, but or whatever is better to have back in the memory bank. And then, you know, as time goes on, you learn more and more. And again, most people who I think struggle with food are highly intelligent and very just observant of what's going on around us, but not knowing, you know, how to deal with that. So whether diet culture or our family situations or whatever. So of course, um, you know, I'm going through recovery and rough inpatient experience, but I had a very good outpatient team of like a therapist and a therapist was okay. And I, I know tons and tons of awesome therapists at this point in my life, the last, you know, 11 or actually 11 plus years back then I didn't really have a, a lot of options. So I chose what I had, but a really great non-diet dietitian. And I remember thinking that, like, Oh, I got to do what she does. And I didn't know what that meant. At the time, I was 18. Yeah, I didn't know that meant that I want to be a health at every size, you know, attuned eating dietitian. I was like, oh, what it was that was so powerful was her attunement to me, which we'll talk about later, and her giving me permission. It's like, if you want to eat three of the same thing every day that helps you with your energy needs, do it. There was no good food, bad food. She wouldn't have, you know, back then, this was a long time ago, this was 1996. You know, so it was a long time. And I was very lucky to meet somebody that was like that. So anyway, flash forward, getting through school and basically as I got better learning, oh my gosh, now I'm going to school to be a dietitian and all this nutrition information is not making me, you know, able to manage my food any better. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in fact, it's very colluding with some of the stuff that I do or have done with my food, which is, you know, count it, measure it, portion it, restrict it. And then of course the, the natural consequence of restricting is binging. So that's how I started to come to intuitive eating toward the end of college was recognizing out of desperation, not because I was so genius. It was because, uh, oh, yeah, I keep restricting. At that point, it was very, very beginnings of the low carb phase. So I was restricting carbs a lot. So, of course, you know, I'm binging on carbs all night because I'm not eating them the first half of the day. So, you know, a lot of those things came to be like some of that learning came to be because of looking at what I was doing. So anyway, so by the time I finished being or my undergrad and working towards my internship as a dietitian, I'm like, okay, so, you know, I learned about intuitive eating, got a little bit more guidance from the same dietitian that I had seen years earlier about that, and then recognized that, okay, so I'm going to have to either find another profession or figure out a way to teach this, what I'm, what I believe in and what's helped me and you know, and just kind of be like, I don't know what the better, the, the better word is, but like a renegade dietitian, like I just going to have to do what I got to do <laughs> if I'm going to be a dietitian or just right. not be a dietitian. So, and that was the long journey of working a little bit as a daytime dietitian and then studying, studying, studying and finding mentorship and, and doing these big, long 
you know, apprenticeships and with people who've been doing this for 30 years and they were, you know, amazing and working for them and eventually on, on my own in private practice and working, you know, in, in the community and online. And so that's the really, really, really short story. <laughs> of, and I, want, I don't want people to think that my recovery or re- getting to be, I've been an intuitive eater probably since like 2003. I don't mean to whitewash that or make it sound super easy. It was hard letting go of diet mentality, letting go of what I thought was the right body to have to get social acceptance and to make it look like I was more strong and put together and more had more willpower and felt less feelings. And that's what, you know, being really, really small or lean or being in the gym for hours a day, what, that, what I thought that meant about me. So I also learned that so much of what we do with our bodies and our eating, it's like what's going on in our life is showing up in our, on our plate and recognizing that we have to decode these desires to be smaller or want to go to the gym or not want to ever move our bodies or binge or whatever it is we're doing, that that all says something and means something and, and wants our attention. Very good. So talk to me a little bit more about that decoding, because I think that that's so important when you mm. when you say that, because that's exactly what I am always saying, you know, I'm like, it's, it's just an indication like these, these urges or these desires or these, these, you know, these thoughts specifically about our size or our appearance are always just these little red flags popping up to dig deeper because something else is, is there. And that is just the language that we've learned to be able to articulate those feelings. So talk to me a little bit more about that decoding. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like the juicy, yummy stuff I love doing Mm -hmm. is, I would say 100% of the time when we say I feel fat or I got to eat, it can be the same, same coin, just flip it. We are saying I feel uncomfortable 100% of the time. It doesn't matter your size. And I do know that those of us that are cultures who walk around in bigger bodies, bigger bodies of color that aren't the cultural ideal, there's, you know, realness and, and that like physical and those things that are in our lives for sure. But I, but regardless, it still has that emotional component of I feel fat or I got to eat, go through the drive through when you're not hungry 10 times it means I feel uncomfortable. And so our job, it's like you will have this thing for the rest of our lives, really not so much dieting or not liking our bodies, but just that little, yeah, at least a red flag or a little siren of like, Ooh, what's going on in me? That's feeling like so much that I'm not sure what my resources are for this or what do I do about this or how do I problem solve it out? So yeah, it's just kind of, it's almost like you can make a little Y on a piece of paper. So you have this Y and you draw a line straight down at the bottom is a thought or a feeling arises. And like you said, immediately gets translated into the language of food and body. And then we work our way up is okay. So something happened, what happened? And you kind of, if you can locate it, like, what's going on or what just happened what, or what's the overarching felt sense of what's been happening. And you can journal that stuff out. You can make a list, whatever. And you see though, as you go to the why in the center, it says, you know, I feel uncomfortable. I have a choice. And then we get to the place we can do change the body game, which is, you know, restrict, binge, over-exercise, weigh ourselves, count anything or everything, whatever, body bash ourselves withhold care even and then the other side of the line or on the other fork of the road I guess would be well can I problem solve this can I get support can I wait it out can I be with this you know I guess the two questions be what what's happening or what just happened and can I be with this 
and so that's just kind of like the the start of that whole process but um mm. it gets really deep and and really it one really embodying and two it just builds so much you're building getting new neural pathways that say like hey i can feel these feelings and separate this from the food separate this from my body size and you start to build honestly one more resilience and then two yeah, I mean, you're really building these muscles of, of confidence and empowerment that like, yeah, I can feel kind of crappy, but I'm going to be okay. And here are the ways that I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I always see this with urges to diet too. So instead mm-hmm. of like urges mm-hmm. to eat, it's urges to diet. So that, so the brain goes into, you know, trying to solve a problem by thinking, what's my next diet going to be? Or how can I cut carbs at dinner? Oh, absolutely. So the really common example is, oh my gosh, I have my 20th class reunion and I need to go on a diet. And so the first thing is, okay, so what have you been thinking about with this reunion? What is happening? And people can start to see the movie in their head of like, oh, I'll go there. And people will think I, you know, look different and they won't they'll judge that or they'll think I haven't been or maybe they're judging that they haven't been successful enough in their life. So instead of it being about the feelings about that, we make it about, well, if I can just make my body look right, then I'll look successful. You know, you can really get it to the place and in the underlying feeling of, oh, I don't need to go on a diet. I maybe need to actually look more clearly at <laughs> my life and, and do I like how it's going or and really, you know, coach through that process of what am I really looking for? Because a smaller body isn't it and then you get realistic like I can't even get there in two days anyway (laughs) you know so it's 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 a process to really open all that up Mm -hmm. yeah and I just I just want to say like there's if people eat because they're soothing emotions like there's nothing wrong with that either like I think what I just wanted to caveat that because yeah thank you for giving you know we know we know this to be like a like a given because you know we I know what you're saying in that in that style Mm -hmm. and it's also recognizing that yeah sometimes that's with awareness that's what we're going to do and get into a place of no shame about that what I find is that we might emotionally eat a little bit and it's like eh okay that's at least that's what that was my experience personally is like I'm got really aware of the feelings and what was happening it's like eh shoot Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not doing it for me. And that was, it would always make me mad. And then it would make me soften to like, okay, I just need to be with myself. Yeah. And I always tell people that you can start to bring awareness to these thoughts and feelings and eat. Like it's like, mm-hmm. because instead of just thinking like, ah, oh, there must be something like I have to figure this out. <laughs> it's like, okay, eat yeah. and figure it out while you're eating. Like, and, 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 and explore it because it doesn't have to be like a restrictive like you don't have to, because the the denial of it can actually mm-hmm. hinder that that process of exploration within yourself sometimes. Well, it's a total turning away from yourself, right? When you're it's like you're feeling bad, and then you emotionally eat and you berate yourself and tune out from it on a on another level. It's like okay, so we're gonna emotionally eat, like as Janine Roth said, you know, pull up a chair, you know, and mm-hmm. and be with yourself with that, and you're not making it bad or wrong, and just like wanting to go on a diet doesn't make you bad or wrong. It's just another place of, like I said, a crossroads of like, huh, what's happening here? And that's where we find people like we were talking about earlier is like, we might dip a toe back in there. And then we recognize after probably a day of doing that, like, oh yeah, this sucks. (laughs) I don't want to do this again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking about that with dieting. We're like Mm -hmm. that process of, of really becoming someone who is, you know, what you call an attuned eater, which I also want to talk about with you, but it's not just like you switch it on and then you're like, all right, I'm never dieting again. It's like, we can probably count how many times 
we ventured back into it, even if for a day or a week or however long it was before oh, we gosh, really I would say, went to the other I, side. I, I, would, I mean, for me, summer, it took me all of college. I mean, again, I had a five-year plan. So it's like five years of like in and out, in and out and learning and, you know, really having to Oh gosh, like see how it wasn't working, but I had, I had to have all that time to build the safety of life happening in a more positive way that gave me courage to do something different, you know? So it might take us months or maybe years mm-hmm. and that's, you know, part of the process. And again, I, you know, there's so many more people now that are, can be helpful to us. If you're in that situation, like there wasn't anybody and there wasn't online, there wasn't any of these honestly, you know, resources like you and other people that are available now to help us when, you know, 20 20 years ago, that didn't exist. There weren't any advertising, you know, non-diet, you know, body neutral coaches or dietitians that say, hey, come, come here to see me when you're having these, like, you know, these symptoms or whatever. So yeah, um, it's so different. And I just share that because like, thankfully, you don't have to spend your all college, all your middle age or whatever, like trying to just survive that. So, so I want to come back to the word attuned because you used it a few times and I'd love you to explain what that means and its importance in, in your Mm. work or you, how you see it being really important for others. Okay. So I don't, I'm not against the word intuitive eating at all. I mean, I'm so grateful that, you know, Evelyn and Elise wrote the book because it's just helping, I'm sure thousands, if not millions of people. Um, I like the word attuned a little bit more because, you know, sometimes, yeah, we're attuned to the fact that we're not hungry, but we eat anyway. <laughs> so it, it mm-hmm. takes the rules off the whole thing, only eat when you're hungry and full, mm. which I don't think that was the message intended, you know, with the word intuitive eating, but it's kind of gotten that way for some people that you can only eat when you're hungry and only stop when you're full. And I just like the word attunement because it can bridge to other things that we can be attuned to, like your needs for how much sleep and, what foods work for you at different quote unquote seasons of your life and knowing that is a hundred percent going to change or um, needs for movement or even what practitioners you should work with, like really tuning in to like what resonates with you the most and what do you need now and who, what have, what used to work me doesn't and moving on. And I like the, the flow of the idea of yeah, being more tuned. And that can mean like, even attuned to things that like we know when you do for ourselves, but we don't, but we're still aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's really, I mean, well, what, what would you say is the difference between intuitive and attuned? I don't think there's really that big a difference. It's funny with the word intuitive eating. Like if we, well, we think about the word intuitive, we looked it up in the dictionary. I don't know that it's that intuitive for people in this culture to like not diet. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there's a it, it's it's self-evident in children, you know, like, yeah, you don't restrict your food for for the sake of managing your emotions. That's not like an intuitive thing to do. So, again, I guess that's why the languaging of attuned, I, I, I interchange them both. It doesn't I don't have any like negative semantics either way. It's just I use the word attuned because it just feels like there's a little bit more honoring the flow of things, if that makes sense. And, it sounds like it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, no, because I haven't heard it that much. And so I was curious to know. Okay, yeah, I don't think it's any different than intuitive eating. I just, I, I just use that word interchangeably and just my little bit of spin on things. But well, I, it, it to me, it does bring a flow and it's like, and, and you can really apply it to everything. So being right. attuned to 
your feelings. Whereas intuition sometimes mm-hmm. almost feels more forward thinking, whereas attunement sounds like, okay, what's present right now? That's exactly right. That's, that's, that's what I like the definition of that. Like, okay, what's happening right now? Forget mm-hmm. about what you think you're going to want to do tomorrow, like with your food. And it doesn't mean that like tomorrow doesn't matter. It just means right now there's not a balance of the right now with like your thoughts about the past or the future with your food or your body. So what's happening now? What does your body say about right this second and drop into that? Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I wanted to talk to you about somatic therapy because I know that that's okay. something that you practice. So, so what is it and how mm-hmm. does that help people with their relationship with food and themselves? Yeah. So the word somatic is just of the body, you know, in the, the body. And so you know, eating, of course, is an embodied thing. We These are like, it starts at the beginning. So we have to have these basic needs to survive. You have to have water and oxygen and <laughs> food and, and uh, sleep and shelter for like basic survival. If you don't, humans are going to die within a matter of weeks. That's just how it is. And so when we feel so uncomfortable in our bodies just from those basic levels, then sometimes talking ourselves out of it doesn't change that. And that can have a lot to do with um, just sometimes our neural patterning that's happened since childhood. So the reason I got to this place um, for, for a couple of reasons, you know, I was seeing like this, these two sections of clients over the last 11 years. So, you know, the first three or four years of being like a intuitive eating health at every side dietitian, you know, really just focus on teaching people how to get re-nourished, get re, you know, settle down their, um, you know, they're eating patterns out of dieting and, and binging and all that, as well as like helping them with body image and all the and decoding practices. And then I started like saying, OK, so we're doing all that and that's going really good. And the longer you do this, the more you evolve into being more holistic. And I started seeing these two two groupings of like, here are people who are in either chronic fight or flight who just can't slow themselves down to really, you know, consistently like they wanted. They're actually really good intuitive eaters. It's just that like they have an 80 hour week job that they can't let go of. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so that disrupts like their sleep and their eat and their self care and their goals really for like how they want to move their bodies or whatever. And then there's this other grouping that people just can't really get going. They're kind of, I guess not so much in depression, but a lot of my clients do have clinical depression or anxiety or whatever. But yeah, just kind of like kind of in the slow mode, if that makes any sense, slower digestion, all these GI problems. And I was, you know, seeing that, and then, then this other set of people who are really struggling, you know, with basically trauma, you know, developmental trauma and or things that have happened to them. And and so what I would see there, there's people that, you know, just couldn't really get out of these patterns of feeling like as much as they knew about self-care or how much better they felt when they were intuitive eaters, they would go back to dieting or restricting or binging just because they felt like that's that was just what they knew and they couldn't get out of it. So anyway, you know, I just started going down that rabbit hole of learning about how can we help people just at a really deep level, be more tuned and feel more safe in their bodies to do this, mm-hmm. to really make this stuff stick. Because some people come to us, they work with us for six months and they're good and they're done and they're on their way, you know? And then some people could be with me for years and years and still really be struggling with seeing me and a really good therapist. So I was like, what is, you know, so I had to learn about, you know, attachment theory and I had to learn about there's all these different wonderful male, female, male and female practitioners on somatic therapies and just learning how so much of this is basically old, really old neural programming and um, from like physically your nervous system. You know, so we've all heard about fight or flight 
And so basically people's nervous systems were wired to be a certain way and if, which is why they couldn't like feel their signals accurately and they would or like really easily get anxious about their food versus be able to like handle any ups and downs. So anyway, um, the somatic stuff is really just body based. Um, sometimes it's meditations, but learning how to feel safe in the body. And it could be things like learning how to just orient to your room. Like, what do you notice in your space? And all of these, and it sounds really simple, but these very gentle practices teach people how to feel safer, like around themselves and internally to the point where it slows down some of the, and rewires some of those old patterns of basically being hypervigilant or, or feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of this stuff makes sense to you, but um, it's just been really powerful work to see people who um, yeah, have been through some like stuff. And when I say something trauma and learn how to feel safer in their bodies again and through practices of just learning how to like sense in their bodies um, and find like, let's say, even in their joints, a comfortable place to be or um, learn how to use sound to. It's really interesting. There's just different sounds you can use to be able to um connect like your ability to connect more with people and trust people and there's all these different exercises and basically the bottom line is that you're I mean Summer you do this you don't know that you're doing it you're doing it when we sit in attunement with another human being Mm -hmm. that has learned to trust us we are doing that work it's just that we don't label it that way we just think that we're sitting in front of a person and we're being really compassionate and all those kind of things and this is what I try to teach people to do is through you know, attunement and compassion back and forth between the two of us, they, you reprogram yourself to learn how to receive that. And that helps tremendously with intuitive eating and with self-care and just feeling like that this this is hard work. So this that this process is worth, that you're worth the effort and that people do care about you being fully present and flourishing in, in life. Mm-hmm. Yes, the way I understand it is, I think in a lot of ways, we start to feel unsafe in our bodies. And whether that is via because of because of trauma or because of, you know, the messages that we receive that our bodies mm-hmm. are, you know, not good, not, yeah. not good enough, or who we are or up for debate. And we start to feel really unsafe with, with who we are and unsure of who we are. And we, we disconnect from that, and we put up a shield mm-hmm. in order to gain you know, acceptance, approval, safety, whatever that is for an, for every individual. And through that, we lose the connection with our inner selves and our inner wisdom. And I think we stop trusting that Absolutely. Uh, part yeah. of ourselves as well. So from what I'm kind of hearing and understanding is that this is really about coming back into that and mm-hmm. be- almost uh, you know, to sound even more woo-woo, but to become whole again, like to to really like embrace all the different parts of you and become tuned into all the different parts of you. Absolutely. No, this is really about a, it's about a homecoming. It's about a homecoming of, of that I'm worthy and I am trustable. And yeah, it's about embodiment. And that's what I mean, we're, we're, we're all here doing anyway, like your work, my work. I just added just the very, the very somatic piece to help sometimes when Talking about it is either it's been done, then they're done that <laughs> as well as um, it just it kind of shuts us down sometimes because we're tired or we're already revved up. And like, you know, we don't re- it's not really helpful. So just go by going through the going into the body, even the body sensations help people just start from a place of not getting the mind so engaged with that and 
you again, you know, it takes about 40 days to re like create a new neural pathway. And so we're trying to create new neural pathways of, of yeah, power and safety and worthiness and all those kind of things. And, um, you know, the more we get support and attunement for that, whether it's external resources or in our own internal resources, then yeah, the more likely it is that this stuff is going to stick. And that's, that's the point. We don't want our clients seeing us for like 10 years. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and being reliant on us like forever. It's more about, no, I'm going to walk here with you through this muck and we're going to do this together and remind you of how much wisdom, like you said, how much wisdom you actually have, mm-hmm. how yeah. we're wired for, for healing. So yeah, it's interesting because there's that, there's that quote that's like, people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. And I think that that's true within ourselves too, because because I use a lot of like embodiment techniques in, in my coaching too. So maybe I'm actually doing some of this and not You're really. <laughs> I think I am hearing it, but, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's true within ourselves too. Like when we can start to really tap into the way that things make us feel and shift our feelings, it's much easier to change than like our mindset and our thoughts around it. Because I always say like, I'm like, I can't coach your intellectual mind. Like I cannot coach your intellectual mind and you cannot intellectualize Mm -hmm. yourself out of self-doubt. Like you have to get to a deeper level with it. So yeah, I think that it's, it's so important. And so if people feel kind of stuck, like, all right, I've been trying to do this and I read articles and I listen to podcasts and, you know, I know all this stuff, but it's just not sinking Mm -hmm. in. Go and see somebody who actually can help you take it deeper. I love that you talk about the intellectual piece. That's super. And that's the reason I think one of the reasons why people get, you know, get more traction with this process is because when you, whether it's online, individual, in groups, whatever, the, the front of our brain is where we, when we're basically babies and infants, this is some, you know, some of the somatic neurosciencey stuff, but it's like, we learn through this, these mirror neurons in the front of our brain here, this frontal part to be attuned to another and learn like, oh, they're smiling at me. The baby smiles back. This is where this learning happens. Like you said, beyond that intellectual level. So even those intellectual types who are listening to this know that like that part of you is super powerful and greatly revered. It's more about how can you use that in service of being more attuned in, in like your heart and your gut intelligences. So how can you balance those three? Like you've got this, yes. let's say, yeah. So I'm really one about like, I think we have head, heart and gut <laughs> that yes. all are in service to us being and they're, I think they're like, they all have their role of which one is the most needed to do the job at the moment. And so you can't really, if, you know, if you're scared about something, like I said, like you said, you can't talk somebody out of, you know, eating cake if they hundred percent believe like eating cake is going to make them be 10,000 pounds, but it's more about like, can you feel those sensations mm-hmm. and then talk to me about what we know about cake. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, yeah, the juice starts to flow. And I think this is especially hard for type A personalities. And I know a lot of the people that I work with are type A personalities. I actually don't think I've ever worked with someone who isn't a type A personality. <laughs> they seem to go hand, it seems to go hand in hand. And maybe that's just who I attract as well. But it, that, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's often more difficult to get outside of your head when you're 
a type A person and you just want, just tell me a plan, tell me what to do and I'm going to get it done. (laughs) That's definitely the way that we operate as type A people. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for, for people who are type A personalities to help them get out of their head and get more connected. Since it's interesting, since I am one too, so not a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've learned over time that it, I guess it's this, I mean, I think I've picked up pieces for all different kinds of modalities, you know, whether, you know, the, yeah, just the, the thing is like, yeah, you from, from I guess the starting place would be, you can actually learn a lot about how to help your mind and other areas slow down and get perspective by actually starting. You use your food as a doorway in. So you can't intellectualize your fullness level. Because you're gonna, you're probably not gonna be accurate. But if you can go in and check with like what's happening in my body, and this is how I got to the somatic embodiment stuff. I was like, you know, I'm already doing this with like hungerfulness levels, and we're we got this down. So it's like, how do we use this just for overall safety in the body, and um, basically retell our stories. So start if you're more intellectual or more type A, it's like okay, let's start with the body. Like what is like what do you notice with your hunger and fullness levels, and what are your patterns? And then if you start to feel more comfortable with that level of being out of your head, then you are going to be able to do the other work, which is, oh, so I can feel hunger and fullness, but I also notice this tightness in my chest. Okay, we'll stay with that. Mm-hmm. And then notice what happens if you stay with all the sensations and you can you name those sensations and start to do that process and notice if that feels like, whoa, what's happening? I want to get out of, my, get out of here into my head. Ah, really interesting. So let's come back down and your head can watch and be a great observer of all this, but it's not in charge right now. So let's just do an experiment of actually naming the details of all these sensations. And again, this is something that maybe you could do. Anybody could do this work. This isn't like you don't need to get, you know, you don't need to get a master's degree to do this stuff. It's just feeling your felt sense inside yourself and allowing yourself the compassion to like dip your toe in. Like if you have to pop back out because that feels too foreign or too much, then that's fine. Then you can try it again. You pop back in. And I think over time you start to build, again, you build enough experience to like recognize when you're in that place of you feel enough feelings where you get less reactive and you can think through things. You start to feel the difference between doing your autopilot thing, which is producing, succeeding, achieving, looking the way people want you to look to more authenticity. And that starts to feel like, whoa, I like that note (laughs) a little bit more than that compulsive doing, achieving, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's just easier. It's it's easier because one, we've been doing it all our lives. And then two, it's super reinforced, right? Mm -hmm. So you go on a diet, you lose weight, you look successful, get lots of reinforcement. It's not that, and I'm trying to like make sure I frame it. It's not a bad thing to like try, I mean, to, you know, work and get good grades or get a promotion at your job or all those things. It's more about like when it's got you versus your mastering. Yeah. Like you're in charge of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important because obviously a lot of people think, well, if I don't operate in that way, I'm going to be lazy I'll never get anything mm. done and and right right you know so, it's so polarized it's such black and white thinking I'm, I'm glad you said that it's again it's, it goes back to that black and white thinking that gets a lot of us in the food traps to begin with right and we already had that in our personality so it's like huh really interesting that really got nurtured it was in us and got really nurtured in us because of our environment so it's like huh well I went about the function of that just like I went about the function of dieting and Gosh, like, what is it that 
is going on to me that I feel like that was it really true about me? This is the fun stuff. Like, is it really true about me? I just really sink here and feel this for a second that if I didn't like, if I stopped trying so hard that I would really never want to do anything ever again, Mm -hmm. I would never get off the couch. That might be feel fun for about a week, but for me personally, like, eh, I want to go create something now. Cause I think that's in our nature is to like create and expand and learn and, I think that's just kind of how we're, how we actually truly are. I don't think that we're all like, oh, this is great. I've been laying on my mom's couch in the basement for 50 years. I don't think that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that, that anybody's really, um, I think that we're all made for more than that. And so you said that this is really good with the opposite type of personality as well, or someone who is, is in more of like a slow mode, you, you, yeah, so this, I would do, I would do, do different stuff. It's yeah. more about how people get juiced up. So, and this again would be certain. I think it's really interesting because I think that there's a combination of like I'm kind of slow going, but I'm trying to kind of push myself to do some stuff, but it still feels really hard. And it's still looking at those um, whether it's dieting, like those expectations around like okay, I don't really don't. I find myself more in like this kind of like kind of sleepy eating kind of thing I do where it's like, I'm not really binging, but I'm not really aware either. And then they like, Oh my gosh, I've gained 10 pounds. I better like go on a diet. It's like this back and forth. And so it's like, well, what let's again, bringing compassion and recognize that the sleepiness is probably for a reason for protection. There's a function for it. Just like there's a function for being, you know, hyperactive at, with your food in the gym and all those things. And so let's get that nervous system juiced up by one, com- bringing some awareness to, to what you're feeling physically in your body and the compassion. And, and then, you know, sometimes it's some body movement, like literally like moving your neck around and noticing like these micro movements of like, there's a lot going on. Like if we ground our feet in and we turn our head really slowly one direction or another, we can feel like there's a lot happening here and it starts to wake you up a little bit. And then again, there's some just, I have a whole host of things that, you know, people can play with of just waking things up a little bit, just from a really small perspective. So it's not like people setting huge, big goals to like, okay, so you haven't, you know, really got going with your, your degree yet. And you're still kind of like struggling with the eating, emotional eating and uh, go get a job. Let's just stay with what it is that you actually can feel. What is it numb and juice that up? Where in body do you feel some aliveness mm-hmm. and let's build like, put our energy towards that. And what people find is like, Oh, there's a good space in here to be. And I like that. And they just start waking up a little bit. I feel like that could be really helpful for people with chronic illness. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. 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 Cause I think one of the thing one of the things that's a struggle is when people have either physical or mental symptoms, it can make it difficult for them to trust and appreciate their bodies and or you know feel inclined to want to do um, yeah if your body hurts yeah 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 if if your body hurts or you've had lots of bullying or trauma around let's say movement or whatever that's that's actually really helpful um I've got people yeah people clients right now with like lots of GI symptoms and yeah fibromyalgia and those kind of things of just kind of finding the places that feel good in the body have been really I have one person thinking in particular that that's really been helpful for her to just focus for what feels good that day not like all the places that have pain but let's focus on is it any place good and feeling in your body where it's where it's your your pinky nail the tip of your nose or wherever feels like this place you can land mm-hmm. because it's hard when you're in pain or you don't feel like doing something it's really easy to get really super down on yourself and feel start to feel hopeless. 
And if we can start bringing some hope and some like attunement, then that starts to kind of like get things moving. Yeah. I know it's always a challenge. You know, people will say, appreciate what your body does for you. But when you have a body that's not as able as as a lot of other people's bodies, that can be that can be hard and it and and frustrating. It's very hard. It's very hard to, you know, reckon with that. And and um, it's even though we're, we're appreciations, it's, it's easy for us to say when our, our bodies are able to do stuff. But it's more about when you're feeling bad, if we can locate a place that feels OK, not let alone even appreciate it, but even just be neutral about it. like, oh, OK, so I focus on this and I allow that feeling with my, again, attunement to it, attention, it starts to grow a little bit to the place where it's like, oh, I actually forgot for like these 10 minutes we did this meditation, I didn't feel pain. I didn't notice it. It's still there. But I think when we have this, again, we get trained when we're constantly feeling pain, we go to expect pain, which makes more pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so much of this comes back to like trusting our bodies. What, what, you know, People throw around that statement a lot. What does it mean to you and to trust your body or to have somebody else trust their body? <sighs> you know, it, I just use it from the hunger fullness, like, you know, where my home note is first is we're, you know, I think about trust. It's for me, it started with a mental picture. Like you know, we were born this way. You know, I have a little one. I get to see where that process happened all over again. Cause I don't remember it in myself, you know, at that age, but like, see that like she wakes up. And she goes to the bathroom because she needs to go to the bathroom. And that process will happen 24-7. Um, there's not like judgment with that or um, you know, value judgment with that. Or she'll eat or she won't, depending on what I put in front of her. And then she'll you know, eat or she won't sooner or later, depending on what happened that meal. And trusting that we are wired with an ebb and flow. And by the way, I know that there are a few genetic um, syndromes on the planet that don't allow you to have accurate fullness signals. But I've never, I don't that's not the population that we work with or the people listening, but we are born with this wiring to like have hunger and fullness signals. And I trust that. I trust that like we were born that way and learning how with practice and over and over and over and over and over again, practicing, I trust that we learn more about our own internal workings. And so when the more you again, tune in and you practice and give yourself permission to not get it right and, and it, it being a whole re-education, I think, yeah, trust gets built with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. What, were, what, what mm-hmm. else were you going to say? I, I was just, I mean, for those of you listening that are struggling with that restricting end of things, remember that it can take months, if not even a year or two, to, for your body not to panic when you get like overly hungry. That happened for me. I was like, restricting, had to refeed. And then when I said refeed, like re-nourish, gain weight, you know, really. And that took like a year to like fully fill up those like cellular cells with like all it needed, you know? But I remember it took another year after that to find like, okay, when I got really hungry, that it didn't panic me. Mm-hmm. Like, did like some, like, it, and it felt very visceral, not mental, not even emotional. It would be like, oh, we're going to a family reunion. I don't know what time exactly lunch is going to be. And I know I'm not going to restrict, but I just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very visceral. So we give ourselves a break for that. Like, oh yeah, your body went through some shit. So it's going to need to like have and basically trauma. It's not natural for the body to be starved or to be chronically overfed. And so it takes some time. 
I think for this body, like between, there's almost like this relationship between you, know, you and yourself, like food's coming regularly and you're not going to be deprived. And um, you have other ways when you feel sad to maybe be with yourself. So I think trust is a relationship we build with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the most important thing that that I think you said there was over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's like, so hard for people because they just want to be there, which there's, you know, not really there anyways. But, okay. um, but you know, to a point where they're just eating is really easy and effortless and you're right. just not really thinking about food. I do feel that that's a that's a plausible destination. But um, mm-hmm. that you, people want to rush it. They want to just be there. And and it's you can't just build up trust overnight. Like it, it really is repetition over and over and it takes so much time. Yeah, absolutely. And wouldn't that be amazing if, and I wish I would have heard that message of like, this is going to take you some time. So just slow down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, let's like, if we really want to get somewhere, let's, um, let's hurry up and slow down. Yeah. And yeah. So I mean, that's if, if I hope if nobody else remembers anything from that, this talk is, give yourself the space and time you need it because you started learning these things so long ago before you probably even for sure before you even started your first diet or hiding food sneaking, you know, like if you're food sneaking when you were five years old, you probably had some misattunement to yourself years before that. So give yourself some, cut yourself some slack, have some compassion. You are rewiring your way of being. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So on that note, we're gonna we're gonna shut shut it here because I think that that was a great quote to end it on. <laughs> but where can people find more of you? Okay, so I have a couple of websites. Uh, it's tracybrownrd.com, and then I also have a membership site where people who don't who do or well they do work with me individually and maybe do group. But there's a group called it's kind of long, <laughs> attuned eating for attunedliving.com. And that's where I have a membership site where people can join together in groups. And I do either life coaching with them or people can do self-study at six months um, only because I feel like it takes a while. This whole theme of today's talk is it takes time to build this stuff. So mm. I've done these different kind of groups in eight-week segments and 10-week segment, segments. And I recognize, you know, people start to really get going by about week five or six. So that means this program's almost done. <laughs> so that's why I made a longer one. For sure. Um, just so people can keep building, like, you know, stair-stepping what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Great. So anyway, there, there's that. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Great. Uh, I, I, did you have something else? I was say I'm on social media, like Facebook and Instagram, and just posting you know, my little rantings <laughs> about like, your freedom from diet culture and body neutrality and all that kind of stuff. So Good. Well, I'll link to all those in the show notes so people will be able to get in touch with you there. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I I learned a lot. And I think you're doing some really amazing work. Oh, my gosh, Summer, thank you. And you too. I love the body image work you're doing. And, and just your, uh, I love the vibe of I'm not going to put up with this stuff anymore. We've like the we're done with these times, you know, even though I know we're not really, but we're all trying to get to the place we're done with this shit. So um, I love that there's a place for people that really want to that that's their, they resonate with that. They have a place to land with you. So that's awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tracy. Rock on. So much good stuff in that episode. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes, including how to get in touch with Tracy at summerinandin.com forward slash 
99 episode 100 is going to be on next. Oh my God, what am I going to do for it? I still haven't decided because <laughs> I'm a last minute kind of person. So we shall see and uh, the future will tell us both what I choose to do. But thank you so much again for listening today. I will see you in episode 100. Oh my God.